Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for January 6th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHits.com. I almost screwed the year up. I was going to say, I was waiting for us to have to go start again. <laughs> um, I didn't, though. You've done well. This is the the first podcast of the year 2019 for us, and uh, we took last week off. Schedules didn't align, but we are back. We have some gossip to talk about with uh, the Dallas Stars uh, owners, kind of. Are they owners? Partners? Whatever. The one guy uh, said some things he shouldn't have said. It's and, management. Um, we have all-star game stuff, and we have uh, the Penguins on an eight-game winning streak. So no shortage of things to talk about. Uh, I suppose we'll just get the Dallas stuff out of the way. Uh, never good when you're someone in upper management calls your two best players fucking horse shit. Um, do you listen to Wyshynski's ESPN podcast at all? No. no. Okay. He interviewed the guy that wrote it on The Athletic. Can't remember the guy's name. Apologies. He got there and said, while he was doing the interview, he said, do you really want this stuff on the record? And he said, yep. And they're like, okay. And then it obviously all went out. But from what I can gather, um... Who's the GM there? Is it Jim Neal? Still, yes. Yeah, still. <laughs> for how much longer? Um, He knew this was coming, but he didn't know it was coming like that. Montgomery had no idea it was coming. So that's not great when you haven't told everybody down the line what's going on. If you're going to do it, you need people to know. It's also not great when the players in question have, haven't even talked to the person. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, lack of communication. It's somebody pontificating from up top, and that's never good in a team environment. In a total like, just missing the the big picture with hockey and how it's not that kind of sport where you sign two really good players and you make the playoffs every year and maybe you can make a run. We we know how stupid the sport is. With the bounces, yeah. and it's not a star-driven league in the sense that two people can carry a team. There's so much more that plays into this. And while Sagan and Ben probably aren't going to set career highs this year, they're not, uh, they're probably not going to set career highs ever again. No, their age would determine that. Especially Ben. So yeah. this guy probably thinks I'm paying this guy nine and a half mil for this long a time. Where where are all my goals? And it's like, well, you, you kind of paid for past performance with that contract. You yeah. were between a rock and a hard place because I don't know how you, you know, those are the toughest contracts in the league is when these star players finally want to get paid. And this is the problem with the way uh, the CBA got nutted out because the teams wanted players to have the UFA years to push further back. This is the issue they've got. They're paying for past performance at points where they're like, oh, no, we need to turn this over. We need to change it. And you can't. Like, the next CBA coming up will be really interesting because it, it would be in the league's best interest and the team's best interest to allow players to get paid when they're younger and have it tail off when they're older. They have to have the CBA structured in a way that teams can do that. And right now you get players like Ben that come off at, at 27 or 28, like right in the, right at the tail end of their scoring prime. Well, you're going to have to pay. That's how it works. Cause you've, you've locked down, you've suppressed their wages for so long. At some point they need to get paid and it's always at the back end. And, for whatever reason, this guy doesn't grasp that concept at all, really. Uh, the sport or, like, any of it. And it was just funny to... To me, it was funny, like... Uh, <laughs> total misreading of the entire situation. And not to mention, when Sagan's on the ice, I, somebody tweeted, like, goal differentials. Like, they're way better with Sagan on the ice. So it's not like they're even playing bad. 
No, he's he's had one of those years. He's he's been snake bit. His shooting percentage, I think, is down this year. He's hit a lot of posts. Um, he's just had you know a, a lot of bad luck, and that happens to guys throughout the course of a year. It's Who happened knows? to great... him. It's why he's in Dallas. Because <laughs> yeah. Boston couldn't figure out that shooting percentage was going to bounce back up in a major way. They they bailed on him in a low shooting percentage time period. Yeah. Yeah. So this isn't this isn't uh, isolated to this one guy. <laughs> I think is the the good point you're making there is that there are quite a few people in management that don't seem to want to look at that kind of stuff. I don't even think the guy that made the comments has anything to do with, like, the roster at all. No, but he does have to do with forking the money out to pay him. So, I, I think that's where his frustration comes from, from the point you made earlier. I'm paying him X amount of money a year. Why am I not getting my X amount of money production? Which well, is not how the sport works. Maybe because the guy drafting can't get anybody meaningful to play for them yeah they have no I mean the, like the team in, is built like shit yeah it is it's ridiculously top heavy and their best option in goal is is brittle as so that's their other problem um they are they're only two wins behind Winnipeg like their year is far from toast and it would be absolutely hilarious if they make the playoffs, get past the first round, you know, get a little deeper than people would expect with that not-so-greatly-constructed roster. And then the guy can go, oh, I just, you know, put a fire under their feet and away they went. Like, There's so many different ways this can be perceived by the time you get to the end of the year. Right. <laughs> All in hindsight. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. But right now, in the moment, it just looks ridiculous. And I thought Sagan handled it fine. I don't know. It's a really weird spot to be put in when you're blindsided with that comment publicly. Yeah, like what are you supposed to do? Oh, it's yeah, it's tough. I mean, they're not gonna they're not gonna boss him. I don't think. I don't think they're gonna ship him out. They just signed him. I know. That's what I, I don't even think the extension's kicked in yet. No, next year. So, I guess the other uh, topic, uh, Dallas wise, is they're getting the Winter Classic, which is good. Yeah, it's good to see. But who are they playing? They don't know. Seattle. Seattle. Is it? Is it next year's Winter it's, Classic? It's twenty. Uh, I think it's twenty twenty. So yeah, it would be next year's Winter Classic. So no, it won't be. Won't be the Sasquatch. Who do you think they should? I got two in mind. Um, I don't know. I'd have. I wouldn't have a problem with it being Nashville. Okay. Um, but. I'd be fine with Nashville just because they're good. Yeah. But beyond that, I, to be honest, I don't really care who plays in it. Yeah, it's kind of lost. It's They overdid it like everybody thought they were going to. But It's just too many games. They didn't overdo the... Out, like, the Blackhawks stuff, I think, ruined it for a lot of people. Well, particularly seeing as they just... Like, they just kept going south. Like, it, it's okay if they were consistently good, you know, because you've got a talented team in in the game. But, yeah, it's overkill. And it's just silly. So, hopefully they can get a better spread of teams now, seeing as Chicago is tailing off. You could throw... You could use Buffalo as the repeat team over the next five or six years because they are, they are on the improve and they are consistently getting better and they're a really strong hockey-viewing market. Well, that was one really of my comes ideas to, for the Dallas game. Yeah, yeah, and it really comes down to that kind of stuff. So, you know, throw Toronto there, Tampa Bay there. You need to throw teams that draw. And Tampa's fun to watch. So, like, you might not be a Tampa fan, but you'll go, oh, you know what, I'll watch them in that game. They're good to watch anyway. But uh, Buffalo-Stanley Cup final rematch. Have Buffalo yeah. wear black and red. Bring back the goat head. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, Sabres fans yeah, imagine bring the, their no-goal signs. Imagine the alumni game. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> uh, Minnesota would, would be one team, I think, just for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that did pop into my head. But, but the real reason you know, I think that they're holding off is because the team doesn't exist yet. 
Or at least I'm hoping. You reckon, you reckon it's going to be Arizona? Houston. They're the Houston whatevers. Yeah. And do a little interstate rivalry thing right off the bat. Because so they, they ought to just pull the plug on that whole thing. It's it's so, It hasn't worked. Glendale is in the middle of nowhere. Um, it's just, you reckon they're going to pull it this year? Because they have to pull it this year if it's going to be for 2020. So end of this year, you reckon Arizona's moving to Houston? I don't know. That's kind of what I want to happen. Because Houston seems like it would be a great market for um, strong southern market, arena already there, owner of Rockets wants the hockey team, wants a hockey team there. I know the, I, I believe the Houston Arrows, who um, are in the AHL, have have a decent fan support, I think. And just another, like, legit, Houston's a huge market. It is. It's it's a massive population. The question I have is, um, when when the Jets got moved to Arizona, how quickly did that happen? Like, how quickly can you turn a team around and move them all? That's probably my question. Well, I think the Baltimore Colts picked up and moved in a moving truck in one night. <laughs> at one time so it can be done it, it, that's it more the question overnight yeah and it's not like they can't get gear made quickly all that sort of stuff i just i'm trying to think of the to, to get them like they'll finish before the the playoffs it's like you you've got to get everything sorted and ready and have everyone ready for the start of september basically so yeah but i don't the, the arenas yeah it's all there like you the said NBA the infrastructure's ready. there to go yeah, you're right. I just I'm, I'm sick of hearing about the Coyotes. I, I like Austin, that they tried it there. Like, well, no Austin Matthews, Austin Matthews came from that. Yeah, and he's tremendous. But Absolutely. That team, that market, just for a lot of reasons that aren't even necessarily the fault of the people there. It just has been a poorly run situation for a long time. And they're in the wrong area. You're exactly if, right. If you want to increase hockey-related revenue, maybe go somewhere that's uh, has a high population with an interest that wants wants a team um, in one of the biggest markets in the United States. And it it you know it's still in the South. If it if it fails in Houston. There's going to be a hue and cry in Quebec to get that team. And the league's, I don't think the league's going to want that because it's going to want to keep that 16-16 split because they're going to stick with the way they do their playoff. Like, none of that's going to change for a bit. And it's like, you should just put teams where fans are going to show. And I hope it works in Houston because the, the hockey-related revenue could explode, basically, couldn't it? Yeah, and that would be good for everybody. Absolutely. So, and they'd be a net positive going in, as opposed to Arizona being a net negative going out of the revenue sharing that they have. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's those are my thoughts on that. Um, All star game. Usually. Good on Ovi. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, but played a lot of hockey in the last year, playing great. Feels like he needs a rest. Shit, man. Sid's done it like every year, <laughs> except for like three where he's pulled the shoot on the All-Star game. So why can't Ovi? Well, Ovi's been in like eight or nine straight, hasn't he? Like he's done... He's always there. Yeah, that's he's, the thing. He's so... got a great personality for the event, and I understand um, why the league would hate that because he's, he's, he's way more interesting than Sid. Sid's, Sid's such a dullard. He, uh, he's a robot. He is a robot. Like, Sid will do some of the skill stuff, but, like, it's so... He won't show off his skill. You know what I mean? It's like a reserved showing off. (laughs) Because he's a good old Canadian. And, you know, showing off is frowned upon. Showing any emotions frowned upon. So he doesn't have the right temperament for like what it's supposed to be whereas Gino does 
Yeah, I will say this though, he hasn't deserved to go this year. If any penguin should, it should be the guy in the back end. Oh, I, I didn't mean no. He should go. I know exactly I what you're saying. Like yeah, for an all star yep. game, three on three skills. Like I would rather. Oh, yeah. I think Malkin's the the funnest of the penguins to to go. Yeah, I know your argument wasn't he should be there. That wasn't what you were saying. But I guess it is kind of an argument, like. If you're not going to send all the best players anyways because of the the way um, the teams are now, like Jeff Skinner's second in the league in goals, and he's he's not going. I suppose he could get voted in. But Buffalo fans could do that too. Yeah, they certainly could. He'll probably end <laughs> up going because Eichel's hurt right now anyways. Yeah, that sucks. Um, I don't know. He's day to day, they say, though. You said to me, do you want to talk about the All-Star game? And I'm like, yeah, I, let's do it. But I don't know much. I don't know. I know it's three on three this year. I don't really understand how the team's being put together. I've just lost it's interest in it. divisional it, teams that they did the three on three tournament. Feels too gimmicky now. Nah. Like I, it was. It's fine. It's the best they can do. Three on three. I know. Yeah. Have a little tournament. I'm, I'm good with all that. It's a background noise on a Sunday usually for me. I still like the skills competition. I don't care about the rosters in the sense of this guy got snubbed, that guy got snubbed. Well, of course. The league still mandates that every team get represented, so you're going to miss out on the best because Detroit's got to send a guy. So that's the thing. Not every team's got an all-star on it. And that just comes down to where they are in their cycle. So, you know, some teams are going to have three or four because they're really good teams. Like Tampa could be sending a stack of people. But they can't. No. So you'll get a guy like Mitch Marner staying home, who would be a tremendous asset to the skills and to three-on-three. Like, I would rather they just send the fun people for the event, not the actual best players necessarily. So the happy fun time game. Yeah, I want to see cool stuff happen. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Absolutely. Like Mark Giordano's having a great year. There's nothing about that that's gonna translate to like just give me the guys that can skate with awesome hands, is basically what I'm saying. Oh, and they've made it pond hockey, like you said, because it's three on three. So they're setting it up for those guys to do that. And and I would rather see on the back end Eric Carlson doing that kind of stuff than Mark Giordano. That's my point, really. Yeah, it's just my overall one. perception of what the event should be versus what it is. I don't care that Chris Letang is not going. Good, go take a break. You've been great. Yeah. He's yes, having a he... tremendous year. <laughs> go, go have a mini vacation with your family. Now. Um, Ovi's done the right thing here because he's taking the he's taking the All Star break, and then they've got their mandated week off directly after it. So he's going to get a really good and uh, yeah, and at least one game off. Yeah. So if there's any time for him to go and and take the time, do that. Like that's tremendous. I think that's idea clever by him. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, he's got what six bazillion goals this year. He's going to go close to getting. It's getting 60 if he goes on another tear. And a fresh Ovi in the second half of the year is very likely to do that. And very likely to push for back-to-back titles. Yes. Yes, you know they what will. I mean? like, yeah, no, they're, yeah. still, they're still a decent enough team. That oh, Metro division's wide open with Pittsburgh still. Um, you know, the Atlantic teams might pose a problem in the conference final, but hey, if you get there. You worry about worry about that damn division by the time you get to it. You, you can't really worry about it now. It's the, the Metro's interesting. It's kind of filtered out now to the way we probably expected it would be. Because um, it wasn't like that 10, 20, even 30 games into the year. Like It feels like the teams have sifted about where they should all... This is across the league. There are a couple of exceptions to that rule. Um, Yeah, it's almost like you need a larger sample. Funny that. (laughs) 
So anything else on the All Star game? No, we can transition right to uh, Pittsburgh being part of the, uh, what you just said in the Metro, looking like we thought it would. Um, you would think that Washington and Pittsburgh would be at the top of the division, and guess what? They are. And I think Columbus is right up with them, and that would be would have been. Um, I think it was our. You know, Columbus would be in that playoff picture. They are. Carolina's fucking us over for having faith in them, but you know, whatever. That's that's. Hey, look, we're not alone on that one. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy though that you you would look at, or at least I looked at Elias Lindholm's numbers in Carolina, and I'm. And in the Dougie Hamilton trade, I'm like, man, this is makes no sense for Calgary. But it seems that everybody that leaves Carolina, Eric Stahl included, um, they take off. Lindholm is there has an, got a lot of points this year. Is there an argument with this Carolina team that the the uh, cheat for possession, i.e. shots? doesn't necessarily trans like they win the you know they win the shot battle all the time almost every game yet they can't seem to score so they don't have that enough high-end talent to finish their work and it must drive them nuts that they can't even get league average goaltending every year for the last like decade it feels yeah right that's a big problem but you know I do think most for most teams, there's a strong correlation between scoring chances and shot attempts. But, but for, just not this for teams particular like Carolina. It just will shoot from anywhere, and they don't have high end forwards that um, that don't trade away create those high danger chances. So they're almost um, in this weird exception to the rule. Uh, now, mind you, generating all those shot attempts is still good defense. Well, you've got the puck. Yeah, so like that's good. <laughs> but as far as putting it in the net, like either they got they got to do some screening and tip drills, or they got to the tip some the, personnel that are better. The the tip thing you can practice and practice and practice, but there is an innate skill involved in that. I may not like Patrick Hornquist very much, but he can tip a puck. And that is a, it is a, as much as you can learn it as a skill, there is still an innate inborn talent in being able to do that. And Carolina just don't seem to have anybody that can do that on a consistent basis to, to help them with that stuff. Like they're way below their expected goals. Again. In regards to, yeah, again. And then when you've got goaltending that's, that's giving you below average goaltending, you're, you're being set up to go, oh, we should be successful. Why are we not? Yep. I, like I, I was considering going, right, who can Pittsburgh steal from Carolina to try and help them out? But they've gone on a four-game four game win streak, and, and they're only like four wins out of the last wildcard spot. So they're not going to be looking at dumping players at the moment. I thought Dougie you... Hamilton's name out there again. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> But you, you look at the window that we're in now, this is the Rutherford let's do something time. <laughs> you know, he doesn't usually wait until February to do it. He tries to strike early and, and go from there. So, yeah, well, let's, uh, let's discuss where they are. Second place, eight-game eight winning streak. Uh, that is great because they were in a pretty precarious, weird um, kind of just spinning their tires not going not making a run uh goaltending uh, at least for matt murray wasn't good and he's uh his lowest game since coming back has been a 929 game and you know when you're over 929 like every game you're gonna win hockey games when he first came back he got so many posts at you know, inside the first six minutes of games, inside the first minute of a period, and you get there and go, oh, well, he had it because it never went in. But those go in, and I reckon his confidence gets shattered. He's gotten progressively, he's yeah, looked progressively. <laughs> yeah, 
he's gotten progressively better as he's gone along the last couple of games. I've thought he's looked like the Matt Murray that Pittsburgh thought they were going to have, obviously, from game one of the year. Um, he, he's looked more, more in control. There's less movement. Obviously, there are less holes for the pucks to leak through and stuff like that. So, look, you've got to have luck in this sport. We all know that. If that's the last bit of luck that Pittsburgh kind of get in their goaltending for the year, that might be all they need because he's looked awesome the last few games. And and that's a relief because Pittsburgh bleed shots. They can't escape out of their zone as well as they used to unless Latang's on the ice. And... Um, they're going to need him to bail them out for some pretty some pretty ugly errors. Yeah, I think um, Murray's angles are more uh, assertive and his movement more fluent in the recent sample. And when you combine those two, it makes for uh, good quality of play. And they've needed now, he's, that. He's going to have to come down from where he is. He can't play at this level Correct. the rest of the year. But man, so... I didn't. I, neither of us thought he'd be shit for so long and. You know, Correct. the best news would be <laughs> it was injury related, which yeah, would, great. <laughs> that would yeah. be that would be ideal, actually. Yeah, because if if he drops if he drops back to just above league average, I think that's all this Justin Schultzless team needs at the moment to get through to when they get him back. And so, my concern for needing. Another puck-moving defenseman is waning a little bit now because Schultz is coming back, and this team at the moment is just on a hot streak. So they're going to get by. Do you know what I mean? I don't think this team would beat Washington in seven games, and um, they might even struggle with Columbus if Bobrovsky doesn't do Bobrovsky v. Pittsburgh-type level stuff in the playoffs. So well, I'm glad you brought Schultz up because this winning streak Bought them time to get back to him. Correct. Without yeah. making a panic trade move. So uh, the team did their general manager a huge favor. Did themselves to, a favor. <laughs> to where they, he can look for a hockey trade that makes sense and not make a trade because you needed to make the team better immediately to get points. Uh, they have gotten those points. And... You know, the winning streak's clearly not going to last forever. None of them do. But they have a bit of wiggle room now that they didn't have two weeks ago. And that's pretty pretty nice to have. Schultz was skating, not with, like, equipment or anything, just with skate stick and gloves. But he, he's started his rehabilitation on the ice, which is great news. Uh, great news if you're Evgeny Malkin. Um, yeah, this, because that's, for, that's the biggest thing for me. Like, yeah, I don't. I'm not upset that Chris Letang plays with Sid. It makes sense for Chris Letang to play with the, like the good forwards. It just seems like it's so lopsided, and you, you really take for granted how much Malkin can create on his own. And then when he goes in these um, point stretches where he's not getting them. Like, you look at his common... I know we've already brought this up, but when it's Jack Johnson, like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like, Jack Johnson's you, not a good you... player. We've talked about this. Um, people that were on the fence, maybe, um, for the signing and always want to be glass half full, like, oh, a new situation. Uh, listen, you see it with your eyes. You see it in the data this year with the evidence. We're a half season in. He stinks. <laughs> The thing that I find amazing with Malkin is that Hornquist isn't a puck carrier. No. And and neither's Simone. Well right? Simone Simone can, He's a little better. can weave his way through the neutral zone and can skate a little bit. He's he's a cerebral guy that can make some passing plays. I, I don't mind Simone in that role. The um, issue you have though is that because they can't get out of the zone through a first pass or Johnson or Pedersen skating it out, Gino has to come all the way back to below the dots and then literally lug it himself. He might uh, bump it to Hornquist who will then dump it, or he might give it to Simone for that little weave and wiggle. And then Simone just looks for Gino again straight away. Not a dumb plan, 
when you think about it. But no, there but are times it'd be nice to have a third guy that you could move it to to make a play. Um, or at least allow Gino not to have to get so deep in the zone so he can skate out a little further up the ice and, and really try and push the defenseman back and create a little bit more gap. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting watching him and Sid play because, because of the defensive pairing that they get to play with, their work rate is, is so much different. And I feel like Hornquist almost has to be with the guy getting Letang. That's yeah, and I can understand just that because, because you, of you, yeah. how the pieces fit and the styles and, but you know they ask a lot of Gino and he, to his credit, for over a decade he delivers all the time. So I can understand why you would get complacent, like oh well it's Gino he'll he'll do it, but you know thirty one years old thirty maybe thirty, but anyways there's a three in front of his age now, <laughs> yeah. which is crazy. It's a little depressing because I. Man, he's I do love watching him play. And the Schultz return to the lineup is gonna be enormous. Just like the the injury was enormous. We knew it the day he went down this was gonna be a problem. Because even with Schultz, that that defense grouping never looked great. No, and it just it just thinned the the depth right out. Just so we can put a little bit of context to Gino here, he does have forty three points in forty one games. Just for a little bit of context, like he's only eight points behind Sid. I know he's played three more games, but it's not like Gino's been a disaster. No, just shows you the, but the he doesn't get Latang. He... he doesn't get Gensel, who I think is their best um, left winger. Um, and Phil's on a different line right now. And I don't really fault that because I do, you know, they're on, um, what does it say? Oh, that they're, the, those war things. I, we've talked about it before. Pearson, uh, Kessel and Broussard are the worst line in hockey. According Kessel's to still producing. Um, which I don't, I'm not disputing that, that they haven't played well. It's just, you know, how long has that line been around? We're talking the small samples again, like the overreaction to five game samples never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. It's tough when every team needs three lines producing. And really, they've got two. And the good thing about this run at the moment is that they have started to get some scoring down the lineup. And it's the reason they've gone on the run. Shooting percentages for some players are starting to regress back to their career averages. Pucks are starting to go in off people's heads. You know you're doing all right when that starts happening. So um, if everyone stays at their average shooting for the rest of the year, Team's probably going to be okay if they have another a drop off. Um, you're going to want to hope that you can increase your shot volume. And, and Pittsburgh seem to be losing that battle more often than not at the moment. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> and I know I know score effects. They're obviously yeah. winning eight in a row. They're they're ahead. So um, naturally, but even with the the score adjusted numbers, they're not they're not good. And but they know that. They, they have to know that. They have to see that. They I think Sullivan made a, somewhat of a comment along those lines. Like, they beat... Who would they beat recently? Maybe... Was it Winnipeg? No, that was the last game they played in one. That was a fun game to One watch, of the too. last two games, um, Sullivan... Look, the Rangers like, one, was well, it? We didn't when... really play that well. That was the Rangers game, because they were terrible, and Lundqvist just had an off night. Yeah, they were they, well. They were awful in the first period, and I'm like, I tweeted about that, and uh, you should do that more often. Yeah, right. They, and they <laughs> turned it right around. As far as the score, the Rangers, I think, still out attempted them. And a friend of the podcast, Nick Mercadante, I believe, said the Rangers have only out attempted the other team eight times this year. So yeah. Like, and they got torched in the... Well, Wernquist is one of the best ever. He is allowed to have a bad game every now and then. 
and it just happened to be against a whole bunch of guys that are on a hot streak shooting wise at the moment and, and that overcomes you know that overcomes position or shot attempts i should say so ouch yeah i'm not saying you win the shot attempt battle you automatically win we we already talked about the hurricanes <laughs> but it's a form like that metric tells me can you defend because defending isn't just taking the your wasting of time trying to get it back it's can you keep it and if you keep it you're getting attempts at the other end that is why i think that's important now when your goalies are playing like again 929 being the lowest game since murray's come back like it's really tough to lose games when your goalie's playing that well. It hides a lot of things. We had a whole Stanley Cup championship run that, to this day, is still looked at like that team was great when it was the goaltending that was... Yeah, unreal. but that's because the team the year before was great. They like, were. That's Yes. No and, doubt about it. Yeah, and that's the thing. When it all bleeds across to the next year, the assumption is, well, that team's obviously this. No, no, it is not. <laughs> it wasn't. Part of that was um, Chris Letang not playing at all. That and Ron Hainsey can, can, playing can Brian Dumoulin. Yeah. And that's the thing about the, de- um, the defense grouping for Pittsburgh. Dumoulin's a great... Um, complimentary piece to Latang. He does, he's very capable of taking the time and space that um, is created with Latang, and, and he's very good. However, like, you get him away from Latang, and I don't think, what I'm saying is, I don't think he's, like, is great on his own. He's not a line-dominant defender. He can't carry the line himself. But he plays above... Like, you put him with a... He doesn't drag Latang down. In fact, he allows Latang to go and do what he does brilliantly. So, I kind of want to see... When Schultz gets back, maybe... You know Latang Dumlin is good. Works. Yeah. So maybe try something to see if you can get a few more pairings going with what you have. Um, if Mata's still on the roster, historically speaking, the Chameleon does well with Latang. I look yeah. at Latang's numbers with and without Dumoulin, and they're the same. What are they with and without Mata? Is there enough data to go, this is what you're pretty much going to get? Um, Latang and Mata were good. Yep. Um, I don't have the numbers off. The, I, I'm talking no. in generalities right now. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But the fact is, Latang is Latang, regardless of who you you stuff him there with. He's he's going to be a 54% possession guy for the most part, the last three years. Whereas Dumoulin is not that away from Latang. Now maybe put Dumoulin with Schultz, somebody who's like Latang. Maybe not as good, but if Dumoulin is your best left-handed defenseman, you could pair him with Schultz on that middle pairing and elevate Mata, who in the past has done well with Latang. So now you have two very solid potential pairings. What you do with the last pairing, I mean, so help me God, <laughs> um, with Jack you just Johnson. Play, you just play Pedersen and Alexiak. That's what you do. They won't do that, but that's that's what you do. You Correct. just sit Jack Johnson. That I mean, that's everybody who listens to this podcast knows that that's what I was going to pitch. I'm pitching it, and I'm going to keep pitching it um, because the team is better without him on the ice. It's just the reality of the signing and having a coach that has the balls to go f you to the general manager for giving me this this asset um, is very rare. Yeah. And Pedersen has, um, it's tough to, to make a call on him yet. I know there's been some glowing reviews, but it's tough when I look at the numbers. It, there are some games where he and Johnson have played really well, but they're still sub 50% and 
negative relative the, to the team. The thing with Pedersen that I've I've liked, eye test wise, doesn't feel like he's made any glaring or many glaring errors. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he's gone and tried to throw a pass up the middle and it's, it's just blatantly turned it over. It doesn't look like he just tries to throw the puck up the glass and clear it out. If he gets a chance to make an outlet pass up the wing, generally the guy he's passing it to can collect it without getting destroyed or missing the pass. I don't know how many times Jack Johnson th- throws it up to the winger and the winger has no chance of collecting the puck at all, particularly against Winnipeg. Happened time and time and time again. And, and you just sat there and you're like, oh, that's icing. Oh, that's icing. Oh, they didn't call icing on that one. And I suppose for me, the test I would like to see with Pedersen is some form of meaningful minutes, like 100 minutes or something like that, with somebody else. Yes, that's, that's basically my long-winded way of getting there earlier. Yeah, sorry. Was, no, <laughs> The same point. Like, I want to see him away from Jack Johnson because Jack Johnson pollutes everything. <laughs> he does. <laughs> He's a so, fossil fuel. Pedersen's numbers don't look good, but I can't imagine, you know, anybody who plays with Johnson is going to have good numbers. So I do want to get to know what his ceiling is. And I don't think you're going to find that out with that pairing. And I don't think that pairing's played as well as certain people would want you to believe. If anything was better than what they had, because Johnson was getting absolutely torched, and he's not getting absolutely torched all the time now. I don't know. I watched in that, uh, their first game of the new year, he stepped up and whiffed, and the other team went down on a breakaway or two-on-one. Like, he's still fucking up. Yeah, no, no, that's... That's not the the argument. It, it's one of those... I think Pedersen will be fine away from Johnson. You don't hope somebody gets injured, but that might be the only thing that saves them. It's what saved the Washington playoff run last year because yeah, with they, they had to put Verana up and their entire lineup changed as soon as Verana went up. I mean that I I stand by that. I, I think that Trotz was trying to be too cute by half rather than just playing the quality player with the other quality players. As soon as that, that happened, Pittsburgh couldn't contain that line at all, and and that changed the complexion entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like that's what's going to have to happen here because they're not going to sit Johnson if he can play. Doesn't seem and that I, way. At least in the regular I, season. And I just think that is. That is ludicrous. If you can, if you can see the numbers through public statistics, there is no way they don't have numbers that are getting given to them game after game, ten game samples, five game rolling samples, and stuff like that. And you can't see that that's the case because they're not even playing against top competition. No, because Latang's line literally gets rolled out with Sid. They then roll out uh, Johnson's pairing with with Malkin, and then. If they don't throw out the third line, they'll they'll roll out the fourth line with Latang because they don't trust that fourth line at all. And it was really noticeable against Winnipeg. They they really made sure that Johnson was stuck with Geno the entire time. And it's like because they don't trust that pairing anywhere else. Yeah. So Schultz will definitely throw a curveball into um in the in a good way, him regardless of what how they structure the pairings, him being playing second pairing minutes is an upgrade over whatever the hell they got going on now. Yeah, you're right. Even if Absolutely. he's not a hundred percent, they've got time to to get him back to a hundred percent though. Because if they get him back at the end of Feb, that's still all of March. And because when's the playoff start? The playoff starts April, right? Yeah. yeah. So he's got two months to get himself up to speed. And I think they're not going to throw him back out there until he's 100% to get on the ice. And then it's just how many games can they throw into his legs to get him up to to playoff level. And I reckon 20 to 15 games would probably be enough. Um, And and then go from there. I I just think it gives them flexibility to try and work out what they're going to do with their their third line. Which is something they do do have to figure out. Yeah. And... 
we've mentioned in almost every podcast with that no idea what's going on with Prasad, but he's not the solution. Yeah, you got to think what what this eight game winning streak. What would um, average goaltending? What would the record look like? Probably Being five and five. Shot the way that they've been. You know what I mean? Yeah. This team is scoring goals, so they would they would win some of those games. Like that's 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 the the thing. They would win some of those games, but they'd be five four games and stuff like that, rather than like the four one games and things that they're getting at the moment. Um, the scoreline would just be different. They'd probably win fifty fifty, and you know they'd be sitting in a wild card spot rather than you know hunting down that hunting down that um that top spot in the division. I think we're going to get, uh, it'll be interesting, The whatever with Broussard happens. I, I, I still think there's a chance they're like, all right, enough. <laughs> we've, we've seen enough. I keep trying to come up with ridiculous, ridiculously lopsided trades for Pittsburgh in my head at times. Like the whole one we went over with Jeff Carter, I still think they should try and get Jordan Stahl back. Um and that's because, yes, he's high in salary, but I would just get Carolina to retain for this year and then just work it out from there. Um, because I don't know if you can of... do that. What, do you have to retain the whole way through? You might. Oh, well, then that just sucks. Well, I, I don't know for sure, though, so... No, well, that just throws that whole idea out the window. Because why on earth would Carolina retain the next five years of his deal? They wouldn't. It would just be stupid. Sorry. But that's that's sort of what they need. They need somebody to slot into that third line. Because Stahl is not an offensive player, but if you put Stahl who can dominate possession with Kessel, you've got that three-line depth again. And and if the puck's in the offensive zone all the time, Kessel's defensive deficiencies that I think get overstated don't really matter as much. You just yeah. need somebody to keep the puck in the offensive zone. And, and, you know, a player like Stahl can do that. Um, you know, he's one of my favourite players of this generation of, of players that have gone through. He looks like he's got another concussion. Not great. Um, and he's definitely wearing down. But you pop him in as a third-line centre rather than a second-line centre on a team that struggles to score, and his value goes up immensely because you're slotting him into the right spot on the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I don't. See <laughs> I don't see this this path to Pittsburgh. Um, Charlie Coyle might make a little bit more sense. Uh, it's real realistic, but that wasn't what I was after. No, that is not what you were after. <laughs> what are the teams that are going to look to dump? Like you've got St. Louis, Chicago, and LA. Like their year is toast. So is Arizona's basically. And you go Ottawa, Philadelphia, and Detroit, probably New Jersey. And then everybody else is about five wins out of a playoff spot. Well, this isn't um, necessarily Pittsburgh-related. No, this is what but, I mean. This um, is just generally. It, Mark Stone is on a one-year deal. Like, that would be a hell of a player for somebody to... Well, what about Matty D as well? They're both expired, and yeah. I can't for the life of me think why either of them would want to play there. No, that's a good point, actually. Like, why that would you is, stay there? That, it's such that's a train wreck. To, They need to change the owner. It's the same reason, like, for John Tavares. Dude, just go. Yeah. There's always arena talk and like oh belmont and like how long does do guys have to wait to like all right oh my owner's being sued for a billion dollars too great yeah do you take a dive at patrick maroon if you're a playoff team really good sample size of one game against pittsburgh but i was really impressed with uh how he went about his game that particular game well is he also on a one year and yeah i believe I've, his I've, one year is actually pretty cheap because he's it from is. st louis 
it's one point. It's one point seven five. So it's just it's one of those things where it's like you made a good point. There's got to be some expiring contracts floating around that are not though. They're probably the two best that you mentioned in regards to expiring contracts this year, and they're both going to leave the same team. So it's it's a tough one. Like who can you steal from who? Well, Maroon's a left winger. And he's played well with good players before. Yeah. Like, he did a good job with um, Connor McDavid. And at that and price tag... Lucic, like, Lucic has fun. proven that it's not always... It's, it doesn't always happen that you play well with Connor McDavid. So, yes, he did well. <laughs> well. Lucic... It's two goals in 2018 calendar year. Way to go. Tough, that one. Um, but yeah, we when we get towards the deadline, um, I think we'll sift through some uh, notable names from around the league and discuss the likelihood of them going. But this was just kind of a riff session off the top of our head. So, yeah. Um, I don't have anything else, do you? No. No, 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 I'm... I think we're we're tapped out with this. It's been pleasant to watch them win, yes. particularly over the over the Christmas break, where it's been easier for me to watch some of the games. Um, but yeah, it's this is driven by percentages right now. Good shooting percentages, good goaltending percentages. Take the wins while you can, because they certainly couldn't get them earlier in the year, and they needed this run. Yep, runs great, points are great. Um, still room for improvement on the process part of the things uh so when the goaltending does go back to average above average uh you can keep winning at a at a good rate so all right well um itunes reviews facebook uh twitter we're on there gunner stall walshy 66 hockey uh underscore hertz and, uh, Patreon if you feel like it. Yes. So um, good to be back in the year 2019, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.